0: In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Some Kind of Brown. Today we have a very special guest. Well she's not my first guest, <laughs> but it was my first time guessing. I'm with October from Ignorance Conscious and I am really excited to talk to her again. Yay, thank you. <laughs> All
1: right, well, as she said, I'm October. I'm from Ignorance Conscience, which is a podcast and blog that talks about really all things social justice, I don't know how to narrow it down, <laughs> so we talk about all things race, gender, LGBTQ, religion, any time a minority needs representation, I try to help with that, mm-hmm. and yeah, Natalie was on, it was awesome, so I was like, I have to be on yours now,
0: <laughs> <laughs> doing a little exchange, yeah, <laughs> But we haven't (laughs) collabed in a really long time, but we've had these ideas since, what was it, July?
1: Yeah, I think the first time you were on my podcast during like the the media panel, we'd been talking about this. Yeah,
0: it was either July or June, but it's been a while and we've been holding on to these things and we're finally getting to talk about Mm -hmm. them. October is not mixed, but we talked over on her podcast about not feeling black enough. And she's had some experiences that make her feel outside of the community as well. And that's something we talk about here on Some Kind of Brown It's not just mixed race things, but people who don't feel exactly accepted in their community for one reason or another. I don't know if I've said this on my podcast yet, but a big barrier between my nuclear family and my extended family was before we went to go see our cousins, my parents would sit us down, specifically my dad, who is the one who was black, and he would say, "Now your cousins talk how they talk, but we do not speak like them. We do not act like them. We do not dress like them. And we would have that conversation before and after we left a family gathering. I think we, when we spoke before, you've had similar experiences with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, my experiences weren't as blunt. My parents were a little (laughs) more. (laughs) My parents were a little more like discreet with it, but they made it really known to me that my family or my extended family, um, they acted quote unquote ghetto and that you shouldn't yeah. act, you shouldn't act ghetto and so that turned into when i went to family gatherings i was kind of made fun of for acting white because I spoke a certain way because my parents told me to or I dressed a certain way or I did certain activities that they didn't do and I didn't listen to the music that they listened to because my mom didn't like cursing. I was restricted to what kind of TV I would watch. So when I went over to their houses, I was like, what is this TV show that you're watching? So my parents were more subtle about it, but there was definitely a separation towards how my extended family acted and how I was supposed to act.
0: I think while yours was subtle, ours was almost sinister. But it was so almost self-denying to a point that's really unhealthy. And it's very unhealthy to look at people who do speak ebonics or mm-hmm. subscribe to the major media black culture and and label them as ignorant. My my dad would actually call them ignorant, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. He's like, if you are going to be in this country, you can't be an ignorant black person.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I actually didn't even really see my extended family a lot with being like in the military. And Mm. then also like my parents just didn't have the best relationship with their parents. So that was a whole issue. But I did notice that when we were over there, a lot of the times I would find like my parents code switching as well. Where they would act different when they're around my extended family, but they didn't expect me to act like that. They would help out um, because most of the time their problems were with money and my mom just didn't like helping my extended family financially. So she would help out and do things for them and then kind of get tired of being around them and then be like, "Okay, we're leaving in like two days. And so I didn't see them that often, but I still noticed that they would treat me and it's probably why they did treat me differently because A, my family was helping them financially. So I was there for the rich kid mm. and B, the way that I acted, I was just, I don't know. I, I don't want to say educated because my, my cousins, they all went to school. They're all in college now. They're all very educated people. They just... I guess to them I talked weird because I wasn't allowed to say ain't
0: yeah I wasn't either
1: (laughs) yeah it was like like certain words my mom was like that's not proper English or like even now when I'm like when I'm talking to my mom and I add s's to words that don't need to have s's or I say things in a funny accent usually I'm just picking something from a tv show my mom's like you sound dumb you sound stupid (laughs) talk like that Like, I'll be making a joke and she'll be like, you can't make that joke. You sound weird. You sound dumb. And so like, it's always something that's been kind of drilled into my subconscious is that I have to look and act educated all the time. And to my cousins, that meant I was looking and acting white all the time. And so that's what I was like made front of. Yeah. I never really code switch because I wasn't allowed to because <laughs> my mom would be like, you can't learn that. You can't do that. Why are you dancing like that? Why are you listening to that music? But I was introduced to what it was because I would try to fit in when my mother wasn't around. I just didn't completely code switch all the time. I'll be like, my mom's not around to so be like, yeah, let's listen to this music or let's watch this video or trying to just get closer to my cousins. But I also wasn't allowed to completely code switch in that my mom would be like, don't do that. You look dumb. You look stupid. Why are you trying to act ghetto? And um, kind of be punished for it.
0: Our parents treated ebonics and things like that and the music and the dancing the same way they treated living in the South. So if we ever said something, um, like when I was like a toddler, I used to go, bye bye. (laughs) and my dad would actively look at me and say what I can't understand you and I would have to repeat bye bye so a lot of people don't think I have a southern accent but I grew up in Arkansas and I can pull one off pretty easily (laughs) but it comes out when I'm mad It's so strange how they treat those kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it sounds like you started working your way back in or working with your cousins when you were younger. But for me, I've had to kind of do it as an adult. Moving to college kind of freed me. I moved from Arkansas to New Orleans, where I had no family, didn't know anybody. Uh, My first friends there took me under their wing and were like, you need to be more Black. And that was so weird. (laughs) But yeah, so like high school, not high school, college was my freeing point where I got to experience and explore what it meant to be Black. You're in college now. Is it like that for you?
1: It's kind of the same in that I started college and I had more Black friends than I did in high school and middle school. Because even though I went to diverse high schools and middle schools, jumping around across the country with my military parents It was still like, I don't want to say culture, but like the music that I listened to and the movies that I watched were more quote unquote white compared to what I guess mainstream black media and culture is like. And so I connected more with my white peers than my black peers. So I ended up being in groups that were pretty diverse, but they were like mostly white. And then I'd be the token black girl. And then it'd be like a token Asian person and a token Hispanic person. And that would be our friend group, like every single school I went to. So college is interesting in that I had more Black friends because I started going to different like NAACP groups and just different social justice clubs on campus to try to make friends. And I would end up connecting with like a lot of African-American black students. And so then I had my friends telling me like, you don't really act black. They like you like eat like us, but you don't like watch or listen to music like us
0: oh my gosh it's so funny that you get that from both sides like how why why am I getting this from both sides can somebody just give me a break
1: yes <laughs> and so like I don't know like even just the other day me and one of my white friends went to a Zumba class because we're supposed to be workout buddies this year hashtag get my 2019 goals done so I <laughs> <laughs> we went to the Zumba class and after the Zumba class she was like yeah so you're like half white because you can like dance a little bit but you got to work on that rhythm and I was like
0: what oh my god no that is exactly what we talked about over on your podcast was that expectation of being able to dance I have seen people who are fully black and they dance like Steve Urkel and then you're gonna look at me and tell me I'm not twerking which I can now but I couldn't twerk before but (laughs) yeah the Carlton like where did that come from was he half white too (laughs) That's so funny. But yeah, no, I mean, it'll be the weirdest
1: things. Like I have random people stop me on campus and tell me like, wow, you don't seem to be very black. Like the other day, because I go to school in North Carolina and we have really bipolar weather. So of course, course, earlier this month, it was snowing and now it's sunny. But anyway. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was like cold and freezing rain outside, but it was like 45 degrees around the 40s. And I had lived in Chicago for three years, so I walked outside without a jacket and was fine. And so one of the girls who was walking towards my apartment complex, never met her before in my life, walked past me, did a double take. Like I watched her do a double take, but I was like, I I don't know what's wrong with her. And then she chased me down the sidewalk. Oh, no. Tapped on my shoulder and said, how are you? How are you not wearing a jacket? And I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty warm. I'm pretty used to cold temperatures. And she told me straight up that I couldn't be black because black people got cold fast and there was no way I could be black and warm in 40 degree temperatures.
0: I like, ma'am, I would like you to cite your sources please what what <laughs> medical journal did you get that from um that sounds like you got that from the journal of bs thank you have nice day <laughs> I was like
1: I was like trying to be nice I was like um I'm just you know I'm from up north and she was like oh maybe it's because I'm from the south and I was like yeah but why the first thing that came to your mouth like to your mind was race and not maybe just weather or environment like the first thing she said to me before the comment about me living up north was that you must not be like fully black,
0: and I was like, "What is that?" I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's just one of those stereotypes that's so embedded in our culture that nobody thinks about it. Just like I love watching horror movies, and I've had people come <laughs> at me saying I'm not black because ain't no black person gonna be watching stuff like that. I'm sure you've heard. Why are horror movies full of white people? Because black people will be gone the minute yep. <laughs> the minute a cabinet rattles they move out <laughs> like, and that's why there aren't any horror movies of black people in them or they die first yeah but sometimes I don't know the origins of things and I wish I knew where everything came from like I knew I know where certain things come from historically but like what's the historical basis for what, black people being cold I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's insane it is
0: I mean, but other than those really
1: weird experiences, I have been able to, because I guess from growing up, I did believe that i just not a part of mainstream black culture. It's like, well, I didn't, you know, watch the movies my cousins watched. I didn't listen to the music that my cousins watched. I'm just might like, not, I just, I guess I'm not like I'm black. I'm black in everyone else's eyes. But I guess once I open up my mouth, I'm white. Like that was just like a running theme that I had with myself. So I was always too scared to go to a lot of like black community functions or black pride. Like, unless it was like something that was socially active um, or politically active, then I wasn't really going to it. Cause if it was just like, if it was just culture and not political, then I would be kind of scared. I think like, oh man, I'm going to stick out like like a sore thumb because no one, like I don't really understand black culture like everyone else will. And so I guess just through Because I'm a history major, I've been taking a lot of, like, diaspora history classes, I've been going to or trying to force myself to go to more events and just explore what it means to be Black. And I really don't have a definition anymore, (laughs) but I know that it's more than just culture. I mean, what really opened my eyes was going to different events and everyone's definition, even if they were black, of black would be different. Like some people will be like, oh, you're black if you're African-American or you're black if your skin color is um, dark enough that people start to oppress you because of your skin color. Or um, you can be Hispanic and black, even if you're not mixed because of your skin color. And so all these different definitions.
0: Oh, Oh, oh. I've heard some people say that Indian people like like from India, are Black. That's so strange.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just like realizing that not even the Black community kind of has a full grasp on what it means to be Black. While it's kind of scary, it's also reassuring because then it's like, well, there's not a definition. So really, it's just what I identify as.
0: Or you interpret it to be. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the Black community itself is... Very, 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 very young. I'm going to exclude African cultures from this and focus mostly on African Americans. It took until the 70s, some places in the South, for segregation to be completely gone. When you think of that mentality and that culture and how pervasive it was not so long ago... Yeah, it makes sense that not even African-American people know what black is.
1: Yeah. And I think we we talked about this a little bit on my podcast as well. It's just that, is there even a need for a shared definition? But I feel like a lot of people think that there is. I don't know if there needs to be. I'm kind of more in favor of just all people of color uniting and even though we may face different cultural problems, I feel like we all face very similar political and social problems when it comes to oppression. And I feel like you can have your cultural groups, but when it comes to like uniting as Black people or uniting as Asian Americans or uniting as any kind of group that is like a people of color group who are facing oppression when it comes to race, then we should all just unite together and as a huge group. We have more numbers, and I feel like we'd get so much more done. So I feel like coming to college, I've been like, yeah, identify as black because that's where the culture that I have is the closest to. But I don't know if politically I need to define myself as I am black and only black and African American, and this is what country my family came from. I feel like it's more productive politically, anyway for all people of color to unite, which is why I don't really need to focus on defining myself as a black person.
0: I can understand that viewpoint. Politically, it would make sense for everyone to stand up for each other's rights. Like if all Asian Americans, all African Americans, Latinx Americans got together and were like, hey, Native American women, are being murdered at an alarming rate. Can we please pay attention to them? Or everyone else stood up for Colin Kaepernick and calling attention to police violence. You know, I think more would get done politically. However, especially for the African-American group, I feel like having an identity is crucial. Everybody goes through a stage, not everybody, many people go through a stage where they embrace their culture for themselves because it like it or not your cultural identity is a part of who you are whether you grew up away from it or you grew up inside of it that shaped part of your personality and world outlook in some way and you have to come to terms with that if we just said people are people that's just not how The human brain works. The human brain looks for similarities. It looks for groups. It wants to belong somewhere. And if we take away all of that and just lump people of color together, then you lose that kind of defined sense of belonging. And you lose a lot of traditions as well. I think culturally it's very important for African Americans to develop an identity But at the same time, they're facing other cultural groups who've had thousands and thousands of years to define their culture. Yeah, and I
1: get that. I think it's just, I understand like your point of view about the culture aspect. I just think, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it's because I didn't grow up with culture slash traditions. I kind of just want like visibility per se. I think there are people who grew up with those traditions that can carry them on. Just for me, maybe because... This is the way, I mean, I've noticed this for a lot of African-American peers of mine is that once you, once your parents decide to kind of separate you from that culture, it's kind of like, I don't know, it doesn't, like, I know what part of Africa my family's from, but since I didn't, I wasn't raised in that culture, I really don't have, not the appreciation, but like the understanding to pass it on. So like, I don't know what it means (laughs) to pass it on to like my kids and their kids and all of that afterwards so for me even like I agree that certain traditions should be passed on I find that going through the entire process of trying to define yourself from other groups kind of just separates people so like I know when I go home and my dad is from Africa every time he meets up with African friends he always makes the comment that if they were in Africa they wouldn't be friends
0: oh that's so strange
1: Yeah, they're like, we're friends in America because we're common Africans. But, you know, back in the actual continent, our countries are fighting each other. So we wouldn't be friends. But since we're in America, we're going to let those lines blur. Like, I just noticed that I don't think I would personally pass it on because I haven't lived with it. I mean, I can learn it, I can appreciate it, but it wasn't my culture growing up with it. Mm
0: -hmm. And so I
1: think there's like a difference where your parents, you know, put that in you since a, a very young age versus learning about it in college and trying to kind of adopt it, especially here in America where they purposefully blur the lines between you know, being African and being African American, right? Or being black and maybe not even being from Africa. Maybe you're like from Jamaica or, or like or just a, or something. yeah, exactly. So I feel like for people who are from that culture, grew up in that culture, or from that country and moved to America, it's so important for you to keep your culture here because people are trying to blur those lines. Mm-hmm. But for me, I grew up in America and the lines are already blurred, and it wasn't something my parents taught me. So trying to adopt it now just Doesn't feel right. I learn about it, of course, and I appreciate it when my parents tell me about it, but it's not something like I grew up doing the exact same things they grew up doing. And so it's my culture. It feels like I'm learning about their culture.
0: It might just be my experiences as a mixed person that makes my drive to learn about my cultures and other cultures and preserve these traditions. Or it might just be my personality, because I'm always very curious about different cultures Mm -hmm. to me it's it's kind of baffling that someone wouldn't want to learn their cultural tradition not in a bad way it's just not how my mind works
1: yeah I mean I think what it is is just
0: that It's it's hard to articulate yeah
1: it is I think what it is is not that there's an absence of drive because I'm a history major so anything that my parents tell me about you know their past or their country, it interests me, of course, and i and I mm-hmm. like hearing their stories. It's just when I hear their stories, they don't feel like my culture.
0: Oh, so you just feel disconnected from it,
1: yeah, so I'm learning their culture. I just don't feel comfortable enough with since maybe I wasn't raised with it because I kind of like I said, my parents were just like, "You're American now, you know you we moved to America for you to be American, and I was born in Virginia. And my life was very purposely blurred from my father's African background. And so, you know, learning about it, you know, now at 20, because I have like the intuition to be like, hey, you know, what does marriage look like in your country? Or tell me about your sisters or tell me about your parents. Like now I have that, I guess, intrigue in learning about them but it doesn't feel like I'm learning about my culture. It feels like I'm learning about my parents. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm interested in it and I hear their stories. I just don't know if I would learn all their traditions myself and pass them on because it doesn't feel like a part of me. It feels like I'm learning parts of them.
0: Is there a cultural group that you feel that you belong to at all? Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. It's not very like defined, but... And this is why I was telling you, like, that's why I don't know if I really need a definition, but like, I feel like anytime I have something in common with people who are also African American, it's something we can talk about. Me and my best friend are Mary J. Blige people, and we just sit down and listen. We sit down and listen to Mary J. Blige music all the time. Or like, I'm in love with the show Empire. I can. I am all about empire. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's so, it's so weird now that how in American culture, everything kind of comes together. So like, honestly, if we have something in common, then I connect with you, but it doesn't feel like one big culture. If I find someone else who's also a Hamilton fan, I'm like, yes Hamilton for life we're gonna we can listen to the musical (laughs) exactly so I don't know it's not like I guess it's just interest like if we have an interest in common then I feel like I can get along with you it doesn't necessarily have to be like skin color or gender culture so I don't know because I feel like there's never one culture that I'm completely a part of I'm kind of just like a huge floating intersection of different interest groups
0: (laughs) (laughs) an amalgamation of curiosity exactly
1: (laughs) (laughs) so and I don't feel lost anymore about that to be honest Mm -hmm. um and this is why I was saying I kind of agree with this definition and I kind of hate this definition but you know if we have very similar oppressions then I kind of understand where you're coming from which i don't like i don't like that a culture is going to be like okay we're a culture because we're oppressed that sucks
0: yeah we talked about that and i don't like that either
1: i don't i really don't but as an african-american person if you have natural hair and i have natural hair then we understand what it's like for white people to be like oh my gosh your hair
0: And also or, struggling to take care of natural hair. <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey. Exactly. Every day. Exactly.
1: <laughs> or if um if I'm African American and you're African American and we have we know what it's like for someone to come up to me and be like, yo, police brutality doesn't exist. We have very similar struggles in that people have said certain things to us based on stereotypes and You know, we can have an entire conversation about that. And especially coming from now, I'm in like a predominantly white institution when it comes to my college. When I meet an African-American person and they listen to very similar music to me that maybe my white friends don't listen to because my white friends don't listen to Mary J. Blige, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, my white friends don't have naturally kinky hair. So we can talk about that. Or sometimes my white friends aren't super woke and don't understand police brutality or don't understand, you know, why the political system just doesn't really work for black people when it comes to like prison reform, then I can talk oh my to gosh, you. Yeah. So like, it sucks. But usually when I'm getting along with someone who's African American, we're not talking about culture. We're talking about politics or the way that we've been stereotyped. And so I do tend to bond with people because we have similar oppressions which sucks. But we also have similar culture and we listen to kind of the same music. We listen to kind of, you know, the same movies. But, you know, there might be things that we know as culturally and politically Black people that other, you know, other races won't understand. Um, but I think that's, you know, the same for a lot of races,
0: You know, you can see in history what happened to different groups, and you have this empathy built off of shared interests and curiosities and struggles, and you're very politically driven, so you feel those connections in that as well. So in my mind, it just sounds like that you have built an identity off just empathy. If you are struggling, if you belong to a group that struggled, you identify with that group. And as far as you're concerned, you all have the same identity. And that's a very interesting idea.
1: Yeah, and I think that comes from my background of just when you move around a lot, you move, you meet a lot of different types of people. And so I'm not one of, I mean, I think a lot of people grow up in a very segregated way in that they're always around you know, their racial identity. And I didn't grow up that way Mm -hmm. with moving around a lot. And I did go to mainly towns that had people of color, but I also had times where I was in mainly towns that were white predominant. So I think maybe that also has to do with my military background is that when you move around a lot and then you start talking to people who don't have the same racial or gender or hair or any type of thing close to you and you find that you still have similarities and you still have, I don't know, just things in common that it kind of opened up my worldview where I was like, you know, we're not so different because I know like we have something in common, even if it's not our race, even if it's not our gender, even if it's not our politics. I'm very used to meeting someone and instantly trying to find something that we have in common so that we can connect. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why my identity in general is just very like, I'm October. I don't really, I mean, I try not to, because I think it's kind of pointless to separate the different pieces of your identity. So even though I do connect with people who are African-American because we have the same political or social struggles, I mean, mean, this kind of sucks because I do want that culture. It just doesn't feel like my culture. Mm -hmm. I've just been, I'm not, I wasn't raised in a way where, I was united by culture. I was united by talking to someone and finding something in common, and then boom, you're my friend because I gotta make friends like every. I have to make <laughs> friends like every three or four years, so we have something in common. We gonna be friends.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I that you've given me a lot to think about. I don't think it's going to change necessarily my approach because I'm always very culturally curious and identify strongly with the parts of myself that I've discovered. But as far as understanding where other people are racially, that's given me a lot to think about. I feel like we started this episode, we talked about code switching, but what it really turned into, is almost a code switching of mindsets.
1: I don't know. I think, I, I guess before this talk, I hadn't really realized that, I mean, I did realize I didn't have like a huge cultural background in my Black identity, but I mean- I never guess I like looked into what made me identify as black. I was just like, you know, path of least resistance, that's my skin color. You know, I feel ties to it. I didn't realize they were mostly political ties, but I was like, Yeah, you know, I'm black. So let's do this podcast. So actually talking about this has been really helpful in figuring out my own the way I own personally identify. And I love hearing, you know, your part about having that Mm -hmm. culture tie I mean it has been a goal of mine to look more into my culture I just don't know if I would ever adopt it like I want to learn about it to know it since I wasn't raised with it I don't know if I'd ever be like where you're at where it's like this is you know I'm adopting this for myself I kind of would just like to know it to know it
0: (laughs) this conversation has been beneficial for both of us I think yeah And I hope that whoever's listening gets some more perspective and makes them think of how they see themselves culturally as well. Because you don't have to be mixed to question your identity. Before we go, I wanted to give you a chance to tell us where we can find you, what you've got going on. Tell us the business.
1: My name is October. I'm from the website and podcast called Ignorance Conscience, where we talk a lot like I did today with Natalie, with different people from multiple backgrounds. So we look at gender, we look at race, we look at ethnicity, we look at LGBTQIA, we look at religion, violence, sexual assault, literally anything that can be said considered a social justice issue. I like to talk about it. <laughs> so I have guests from all over the country that talk to me about different social justice problems and how they hopefully work on fixing them because I talk with a lot of nonprofits. So
0: and it's very, very interesting stuff. I appreciate the topics that you talk about. Thank you. So it's always good to expand your worldview and who better to educate you than people in that sphere.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Finding an identity for the African diaspora is so important because our culture, the identities of our ancestors, were literally taken away and we have only really been free to reclaim or explore who we are as a people freely within probably the last 40-50 to years. Mixed and multiracial people aren't the only ones who struggle with their identity, and I think it's important to give those people space as well. Thank you so much for listening. October was amazing and you'll probably be hearing from her again in the future. I will be linking her social media in the show notes. And if you want more information, you can always find it on my blog, somekindofbrown.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at somekindofbrown. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rate and review on iTunes. This week, I really wanted to thank the lovely women over at NRI Women Podcast for their lovely review. Every time I get one, it's just a happy pill for my day. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song Love Life, and I'll see you in two weeks with some more Shades of Brown.